Welcome to the Journey Church Podcast, where as a church, we believe that Jesus should be accessible to anyone. So if you're at home, work, or somewhere in between, you can have access to the weekend worship experience. We'd love for you to stay connected with us by visiting us at journeyorl.com or any social media platform using at journeyorl. Thanks for being with us, and we really hope you enjoy this message. If you have your Bible, open up to Mark chapter 6. We'll begin reading in just a moment there, but Mark chapter 6, we're going to kind of live there. And let me just tell you this, I feel like, uh, you know, as we do, open your paper Bible, or if you don't have that, open your phone, you know, get on that Bible app, and we're going to journey through some scripture today. And as we walk, we're going to draw out some principles and truths as we journey through. So don't close it. Keep it open right there. God's word's good, right? And, And God's good. And let me just tell you, I felt this during worship in the early service, feel it again, that I just want you to know there's more. You know, I just feel like it's a word from God to this house, but also to your life. There's more. And and I want to encourage you, never settle for less than God's more. Can you do that? Just keep pressing forward. You don't always feel like it, but keep pressing forward and never settle for less than God's more. Whatever you've carried into this room, I want you to know God's with you. Whatever you're dealing with, I want you to know God is, is right there with you, and he's here to build your faith today. I want your faith to be built. I want you walking out of this place today full of confidence in the Lord and trusting in what he's calling you to do. Uh, And here's the truth. Some of you walked into this place and you're facing impossible situations. And let me just say this. When all you see in your life is impossible, uh, my challenge is for you to put your faith in the God of the impossible. When all you see in your life is impossible, put your faith in the God of the impossible. If all you see is impossible stuff in your marriage, man, you can put your faith in the God of the impossible. If all you see is impossible situations financially, impossible situations in in your job or in your future, maybe even in your own heart, maybe in your body, you need healing today. And it just seems impossible. I just believe with all my heart, God is going to do something today. He's going to build your faith. And I want to spend a few minutes talking to you today on the subject of don't forget the leftovers. Don't forget the leftovers. Don't forget the leftovers. Now, I know we just came off of Thanksgiving, so that may mean one thing to you. You may have your fridge full of leftovers today. It's one thing to have your fridge full of leftovers. I want you to have your faith full of leftovers today, and we'll journey through that in just a moment. But in Mark chapter 6, let me set this up for you. Jesus, up to this point, a lot of his ministry and the miracles that Jesus had done happened kind of in a small vacuum, right? It, it, it was in uh, small settings. It was like in a small matrix, if you will. So it was on a road. It was in a house. It was with one or two people. So a lot of the ministry and the miracles that Jesus had done up to this point had been in small settings. It was like uh, the wedding in Cana and, 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 then, and then the woman at the well. It was Nicodemus. And so it was a lot of one-on-one, but things had begun to spread. You know, they didn't, this may shock you, but they didn't have Instagram back in the Bible days. You know, they couldn't get on Facebook and make an event and invite you. They couldn't email. And so word began to spread about Jesus and all the great things he had done and people's faith began to be built. And it came to a point where uh, all of his ministry had happened in these small settings. And then this hillside gathered uh, about 5,000 men, the Bible says, plus families, women and children. And so there were 15 to 20,000 people that showed up on this mountainside to just hear Jesus, get a glimpse of Jesus. And 
and hear what he has to say. And this is where we walk straight into this story in Mark chapter 6 and verse 35. So I want you to read with me. Remember, we're going to be stopping, so keep your Bible open, and we're going to be stopping and kind of drawing some things out today as we journey. So Mark chapter 6, verse 35 says this. By this time, Jesus had been talking to them for a while. Remember, there's 5,000 men, then there's women and children. So there's about 15, 20,000 people. And he says, by this time, late in the day, uh, you know, it was late in the day, so his disciples came to him and he said this, and they said this, this is a remote place, they said, and it's already very late. Verse 36, so they said to him, send the people away so they can get to the surrounding countrysides and villages and buy themselves something to eat. In other words, people are getting hungry. In verse 37, but he answered, this is Jesus, and he answered and said, you give them something to eat. You give them something to eat. Isn't it amazing that God chooses to use us? Come on, can you just hear what's happening right here? See, Jesus could do it on his own, but from the very beginning of time, Jesus has chosen ministry to be a partnership between you and I and him. In other words, the supernatural happens when you and I operate in the natural and God operates in the super. See, sometimes we want the supernatural to happen, and so what we're doing is waiting on a move of God. I just wonder if sometimes in our lives, God's not up in heaven waiting on a move of man. See, it's not God's job to do the natural. It's God's job to handle the super. It's our job to handle the natural. That's why all the miracles in the Bible, even the, 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 the prophet Elisha steps in and he tells the lady, if you remember this, go get a bunch of empty jars. Why? She had the natural to do. God was going to do the miraculous. That's why tithing matters. That's why serving matters. That's why being faithful just matters. That's why putting aside your lust and leaning into your faith and living life according to his word word, not your own thoughts and desires. That's why that matters. Because you and I do the natural. We sow in the natural. God partners it with his spirit and the supernatural takes place. So here is this moment where these people need a miracle. And in this moment, he says, you give them something to eat. Well, here's what their, their thought was back to Jesus. They said to him, well, that would take more than a half a year's wages. Are we to go and spend that much on bread and give it to them to eat? And so then Jesus looks back at him and says, well, how many loaves do you have? He asked. And then he tells them this, go and see. I like that. He's saying, go find out. Go take inventory. Man, man, go around and search. Go and see. When they found out, they said this, we've got five loaves and two fish. Five loaves and two fish. Now let's just pause here, we're gonna keep reading, but let's pause here for just a second. Because in this moment, it's really important to understand something. And I noticed this and it just jumped out at me and I just believe this is a word for some of you. The Bible tells us there were 5,000 men there in the book of Mark, in the book of John, it says 5,000 men plus their families. So in other words, they were only counting the men. Yet it was someone that they didn't even count or think was significant that brought the five loaves and fish. What we know is a little boy who they didn't even count brought the five loaves and the two fish. In other words, it was someone that didn't count. And I don't know if society has written you off that you don't matter. I don't know if the church has written you off because of your past. I don't know if you've written yourself off. And maybe you're here today and you think you don't matter. You don't count. Maybe you feel like you've even disqualified yourself. But how many of you are thankful that Jesus doesn't disqualify us and you may have not counted, you may have counted yourself out, but he doesn't count you out. In other words, they were so busy counting who they thought was significant 
that they overlooked how God pulls the insignificant people and puts them in a place of prominence. There's some of you here today and you're questioning what you have to offer God, what you have to offer him. You feel like your life is broken. You feel like when you count the, the room, you look at your life and you think your life is just five loaves and two fish. It doesn't stack up to anything else. And yet, God pulls him to prominence. And let me just tell you, God wants to use you. Now, obviously, I mean Journey Church, but let me get really specific. Let's zero down to every single one of us. God wants to use you. You're not too old. You're not too broken. Your past is not too bad. I'm here to tell you today, if society's counted you out, if the church has counted you out, if other people have counted you out, God is not counting you out. He's got a plan for your life and a purpose for your life. Lean in there and give what you have. Because five loaves and two fish are not enough to feed 5,000 men plus another 10,000 women and children. That's just not enough. And yet, this little boy offered what he thought was not enough to the Lord. And here's what the, the, the miraculous takes place. Because here we have correct inventory. The Bible makes it really clear we have a right inventory. Five loaves, two fish. Five loaves, two fish. Five loaves, two fish. That's what we have. And the Bible tells us we have 5,000 men plus women and children. There is correct inventory. So Jesus takes five loaves and two fish. He takes it. He blesses it. He multiplies it. They pass it out. He takes it. He blesses it. He multiplies it. And they pass it out. Come on, somebody, you got to understand what I'm saying. He takes what was not enough. He multiplies what was not enough. He blesses what is not enough. He passes it out. And somehow as he took it, as he blessed it, as he multiplied it, not only was there enough to continue to be passed around, but there was more left over than there was at the beginning. In other words, if you'll offer God what you think is not enough... I know you think it's not enough. You're not pure enough. You don't have enough scripture memorized. I know you think it's not enough, but he'll take it. He'll bless it. He'll multiply it. I think the problem is sometimes we like to withhold what God's given us, and we forget where it really came from in the beginning. Because the miracle began to happen when, they, when this boy didn't withhold what he had but he surrendered what he had. What is it that God's asking you to surrender? Your way, your thoughts, your mindset, your agenda, your religion, your tradition? What is it he's asking you to give up? Because here's the point, multiplication begins when the withholding ends. If you need multiplication in your life, don't hold back that which God is asking you to surrender. Your ways, your rights, your thoughts, your finances, your tithe, your gifts, the idea of serving your time. Multiplication begins when withholding ends. It's like my kids, when I would take my kids to Chick-fil-A, we call it Jesus chicken, I don't know what you call it. When uh, we would take our kids to Chick-fil-A and you know, when they were younger, they were six, seven years old, we'd take them to Chick-fil-A and you know, I, I, you don't just look this good like I look without eating healthy, you know, and so, and so I go up to the counter and I'm just like, give me a salad, you know, give me just, give me some of the, give me some of the grass you cut this week. That's fine. I'll just eat grass and some leaves off the tree. And so I'm ordering a salad at Chick-fil-A. Doesn't even make sense. But my kids are getting nuggets and fries and the smell, we sit down at the table, smells going. And so I look at my daughters, I got twin girls, Jordan and Avery. And by the way, Avery's right here uh, with me today. And let me just tell you something. 
Not everybody in this room will get to meet her, but let me just tell you something. She is a powerful woman of God, and God's hand is on her life. She can already do things better than I've ever done. That's the truth. She's unbelievable. Well, um, and she's got a twin sister. She's amazing. My wife's amazing. But I take them there, and Jordan and Avery, you know, I'd be like, give me a nugget, you know, because, you know, the, the flesh is weak. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes grass just doesn't do what it needs to do. And so I'm like, you know, give me a nugget. And literally their response would be like, no. And they pull their nuggets to their chest. And I look at them and it's like, I'm like, I don't know who you are. And so I look at their sister and I look, give me some nuggets. No. I go, why would you not give me some nuggets? That doesn't even make sense. You got six. Like, just give me one of them. And literally they go, they're mine. They're my nuggets. You know, and then my mind just starts working. Like, and I'm and I just like, well, first off, do you know who bought you those nuggets? Let, let me go ahead and tell you this. Let me break some news to you. The only reason you got those nuggets is because I gave them to you in the first place. And you're telling me I can't have one? Listen, you don't even know who I am. I could walk your little tail back up to the counter, and I could buy you 10 more packs of nuggets. How about that? I'll tell you what, I got a credit card. I could bury you in nuggets. I could buy so many nuggets, you wouldn't even be able to open your bedroom door. Why, and you're holding back one? I started thinking about that a little bit. I think sometimes we withhold because we forget who gave it to us in the first place. Who do you think gave you the blessings and the finances and the talents and the giftings and the house? You got to recognize if God wants to use your house, your, your life, your time to, for ministry, for the sake of his gospel, for the sake of his church, quit withholding from God and let him multiply the giftings in your life. And not only that, he didn't just give you what you have. He has the ability to overwhelm you with more. So I want to just recognize this story continues in Mark chapter 6, verse 42. And remember, we're going to keep walking through this. And so look at this, what the Word of God says in verse 42. They all ate and were satisfied. Notice that. Did anybody leave hungry? No. They all ate and were satisfied. Now watch verse 43, because this jumped out at me. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces of bread and fish. What? The number of men who had eaten was 5,000. Other gospel accounts tell us there was 5,000 plus women, plus kids, plus families, whatever. But the real power is not just in what they, what they had that they all ate, but the real power is in the leftovers. I'm here to tell you today, don't forget the leftovers. Don't forget the leftovers. The Bible tells us in verse 42, they all ate and were satisfied. In verse 43, it says, and... The disciples picked up 12 basketfuls. Here's what I'm here to tell you. Here's the first principle that I want to drive home to us today. It's this. Jesus is not just enough. He is more than enough. How many of you are thankful for that? I think one of the reasons that in this story, uh, the Bible says in verse 42, they all ate and were satisfied, but then it turns around in verse 43 and says, and it wasn't just, it didn't just stop in there satisfied. It didn't just stop when they all ate. It actually went on and it was that there was more than enough for those that were there because Jesus was trying to remind us he is not just enough for your marriage. He is not just enough for what's going on. He's not just enough in the middle of your addiction. He's not just enough in your finances. He's more than enough. Quit the Thinking he just fills you up. No, he fills you to overflowing. That's why David said in Psalms 23, my cup overflows. Why? Because he's not just enough. Quit thinking he's just enough. Start realizing he's more 
than enough. I started thinking about this. Because a really good chef can cook a meal based on the number of people in the party. A really good chef can calculate that. Now, God's not just a good chef. He's precise. As a matter of fact, he took five loaves and two fish, and if he has the power to multiply five loaves and two fish and feed 15 to 20,000, he has the ability to be specific in his miracle and stop when enough was enough. So the fact that there was 12 basketfuls left over wasn't just by chance. He was trying to show us something. If he wanted to be specific in his miracle, he would have been specific in his miracle. What he was trying to show you was when you put your faith in him, he's more than enough for you. Your marriage is not going to return to what it was. It's going to be better than it ever was. Your kids aren't just going to begin to serve God again. They're going to serve God and lean in further than they've ever been before. In other words, he's not just enough. He's more than enough. If you've been to a restaurant, and I have, man, I like waiters that like when my drink is like halfway down, they come by and just fill it back up. Y'all ever, y'all like that? I don't like to run dry. And then when they're walking by, you have to suck on your straw real hard till you get that little slurp, you know? And it really what you're doing is saying, hey, refill my drink. You know, that's what you're doing when you slurp the bottom, you know, and, but I like it when they just fill it, but you know what a waiter doesn't do? They don't fill it up and just let it overflow. But Jesus overflows with goodness and favor and blessings and miracles in your life. Listen, quit thinking that he's just enough. He's more than enough. He's trying to push this to us today to remind us about the leftovers. The leftovers are almost better than the miracle because it tells us he's more than enough. He's more than enough. Now, growing up, we used to eat a lot of leftovers. I don't know if you've eaten leftovers, but I mean, we'd sometimes come in the kitchen and my mom would say, you know, hey, we're going to eat leftovers tonight. Or it'd be like, hey, what's for dinner? Leftovers. Find it on your home. You know, I like leftovers. They're all right, but I really don't like them. You know what I'm saying? I, I don't want leftovers. I, I, I want something fresh and new, but, you know, except for Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving? I love leftovers. How many of y'all ate leftovers this weekend? You know, obviously the Thanksgiving is Thursday. Something happens. You, you put the turkey and the dress in the cranberry. You put all the goodness, whatever you had, you put it in the Tupperware, and they get married overnight, and they start, like, liking each other a little bit. You know what I'm saying? And, and it's almost like the leftovers are better than the original uh, Thanksgiving. Can I just tell you the leftovers are better because what Jesus was saying is there's a message in the leftovers that I want you to remember. Why gather the leftovers? Why not just leave the leftovers where they are? Why not in this miracle did they not just leave the fish? And, and, and the Bible points out that they were broken pieces of bread and fish. So, so why gather them? Why not throw them away? And look at verse 45. We'll keep reading. Remember, keep your, keep your Bible open to this story. Verse 45, it says this, immediately. Everybody say immediately. So obviously... This story of feeding the 5,000, sometimes we separate it as its own story. It is not its own story. It is the beginning of a larger story. So in verse 45, it says immediately. So whatever happens after this is tied to what just happened before this. Watch this. Immediately, just Jesus made his disciples get in the boat and go ahead of them to Bethsaida while he dismissed the crowd. Watch. After leaving them, he went up to a mountainside to pray. Later that night, the boat was in the middle of the lake, and he was left alone on land. So Jesus is over here on a mountainside. The disciples are now on a boat over here in the middle of the lake. Look at verse 48. He saw. Look at your neighbor and say, he saw. Yeah. 
He saw the disciples straining at the oars because the wind was against it. The King James says, and he saw them toiling in rowing the boat for the wind was contrary. The New Living Translation says, he saw that they were in serious trouble and they weren't able to row and struggle and they were struggling to row and steer the boat. In other words, Jesus saw from far away that they were in trouble. And my point is this, number two, Jesus knows what you need before you know what you need. I think sometimes we mix up our wants and our needs. Can I just tell you today, Jesus not only knows what you want, he knows what you need. And it's more than that. Sometimes it's really easy to feel like we're all alone. It's easy to feel like, well, I mean, does anybody see my kids are struggling? My son is struggling. My daughter's struggling. Does anybody even know that I'm having, does anybody even know that I haven't had joy in, in three years that I'm struggling with depression and anxiety? Does anybody even know? And it feels like you're all alone. Here's what I believe the Lord is telling us in this story. As it continues is that Jesus sees you and you are never alone. Somebody needs to receive that today. You are not alone in your prayers for your kids. You are not alone in praying for restoration in your marriage. You are not alone in praying for a financial miracle today. You're not alone if you've lost your job. He sees you. Now notice this, because Jesus is over here on a mountainside. The, the, the disciples are in this boat, and he knows where you are. He knows what's going on. He knows about the storm. He knows when you've had enough. He knows what you're facing. And whatever you're facing is bigger than you, but I'm just here to tell you it's not bigger than him. So here's what I'm trying to communicate to you this morning that I believe the Lord wants you to know. Whatever happens, you can always know that he will always know. Whatever happens, you can always know that he always knows. Why? He's omniscient. He's everywhere. He's om omnipresent, right? He's, he, he, he's all-powerful. He's omnipotent. Man, he, he's everywhere. He's all-knowing. And he knows what you can't even tell him. He knows what you're feeling when you can't even put it into words. There was a crisis. The problem was over here. He was over there. In other words, let me paint it to you like this. He's on a mountaintop. They're way over there in the middle of a lake. There was distance. The Bible tells us he was on a mountain, they were in the middle of the lake. So the Bible makes it clear that there was distance. The Bible makes it clear there was darkness. It says in the middle of the night, which tells us you couldn't see that good. And then it tells us there's danger. They were struggling to steer the boat. They were in the middle of the waves. They were, waves were crashing. These were fishermen. And the fishermen knew how to how to, how to steer the boat, they were used to strong waves and winds and storms. Yet, the Bible makes it clear they were in danger. Here's what I'm here to tell you. When you need God, there is no distance too far, there is no darkness too bad, and there is no danger too great. He sees you. You may be separated, but he is right there. Now, let's keep going. Remember, I don't want you to forget the leftovers today. Verse 48, shortly before dawn, he went out to them. Jesus walked out to them walking on the lake. Remember, this is the same story, feeding the 5,000, the 15, 20,000, walking on the lake. He was about to pass them by. I wish I could talk about that. I can't. Verse 49, but when they saw him walking on the lake, they thought he was a ghost. Can I just tell you, your miracle doesn't always show up the way you think it shows up. 
Sometimes God moves in a way that you don't even, you don't even think that it, it, it's going to happen that way, but his ways are not your ways, and his thoughts are not your thoughts. You don't always recognize the miracle, but I'm telling you, he's working on your behalf. Watch this. They cried out, verse 50, because they saw all because they all saw him and were terrified. Immediately he spoke to them, and here's what he said. Take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. Verse 51, then he climbed into the boat with them, and the wind died down. Two things real quick on this. First off, they were in fear. And some of us think we don't have enough faith in our miracle. No, 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 here's what our problem is. Sometimes we think fear and faith are opposites. Fear is not the opposite of faith. Fear is faith. It's you putting your faith in all the negative things that could happen. Fear is you believing the worst in a situation or a person or an outcome or a future. So if you think that you don't have much faith, I'm here to tell you, you actually have more faith than you think. You're just letting your faith, you're putting your faith in all the negative things. You need to place your faith in God's word. You need to put your faith in the word of God. You're putting it in the unknown, so put it in the word of God. But then at the very end, in verse 51, he says he climbed into the boat. The Bible says he climbed into the boat, and the wind died down. Notice something really quick with me. He didn't say one thing to the waves or the wind. He simply climbed in the boat, and everything fixed. Here's what I'm trying to tell you. You think you need a miracle, and you probably do. You think you need provision, you probably do. But what you need even more than that is the presence of God in your life. What are you doing to cultivate the presence of God in your home, in your marriage, in your kids' lives? What are you doing in your own walk with God to cultivate his presence? In other words, when Jesus stepped in the boat, everything fixed. The third principle that I want to drive home to us is this, and it's found right there in what we just read. When Jesus shows up miraculously, the storm shuts down instantly. In other words, Philippians tells us the, that every knee should bow. Every storm, every wind, every trial, every persecution, every bankruptcy, every depression, every kind of, of, of mental struggle, everything physically wrong with your body has to bow at the name of Jesus. What you need is, is the presence of God. Instead of running from God, you need to run to God. Some of us, when we fail and we fall in our addictions and our struggles, we just drop out of church. We quit. No, no, no. Run to God, not from God. You, you need to worship when you don't feel it. You know when the best time to worship is when you don't feel like worshiping? See, our problem is some of us live our lives by our feelings instead of our faith. Well, I don't feel like it. I don't even like that song. They didn't sing that when I was young. I don't like all the lights out. And we put it all on how we feel rather than on our faith. Can I just tell you, you do not live by your feelings. Otherwise, I'd be trapped in addiction and lusts and, and, and all kind of, my, my flesh, I'd be living that way. I don't, look, all that stuff's real. So I get to choose. And, and look, you don't worship when you feel God. You need to learn this. You worship and then you feel God. Quit operating by feelings and operate by faith. In the middle of your storm, he's going to show up. In the middle of where you are, he's going to be right there. I remember uh, one time we went camping uh, with my family, my sister and stuff, and we were in this tent, and the, ra the storm of the century shows up and starts raining, and the water's and so I could sleep through anything. As a matter of fact, I could lay my head right now on this podium and go to sleep standing up with all of you staring at me. I have a gift of sleep. And my sister's sloshing from one side of the tent to the other. 
yelling at me, turning my name Dan into like eight syllables. Dan, what are we going to do? I wake up, and I'm like, I don't know. And then I realize my bed's floating in water. We're in trouble. Water's all up in there. All this stuff's happening. I'm floating. I'm, I don't know what to do. Our tent is about to collapse. I look out the window. Our parents' tent's gone. Like our other people's, like next to us, our other family, they're gone. I look around. Ain't nobody anywhere. And I'm like, what is even happening? Surely, surely our dad's going to come in and save us. And then we find out that sure enough, our parents got in the car in safety and just drove off and left us. Here's what I'm trying to tell you. God's not going to leave you. I don't care how much addiction and trouble you're in. God is not scared of your mess. Invite his presence in the middle of your struggle. And here's the thing. Some of us think, well, I went to church. Yeah, I'm not talking about going to church. I hope you can hear this. I'm talking about worshiping in your car, having a quiet time with God in your house. Look, here's my point. Be careful not to settle for going to church and misconnecting to Christ. There's a lot of times I've shown up to church and I didn't connect to Jesus. There's a difference, but watch, this is the power. Don't forget the leftovers. You ready? You ready? This is it. Verse 51, same story. Remember, here we go. Remember, the winds bowed down. They were completely amazed. Here's the whole story. In verse 52, look at this. I've never seen this before. Verse 52, for they had not understood about the loaves. Remember the 12 basketfuls? Remember Jesus gave 12 basketfuls and he gave them? Now they're carrying these 12 basketfuls in the boat and the scripture says, for they had not understood about the loaves. Their hearts were hardened. Here's the fourth thing that I want you to know and we're done. What God did yesterday reminds you of what God will do tomorrow. Has God come through for you? He gonna come through again. What has God done? He can do it again. What God has done, he can do. If God did it yesterday, he can do it again. Sometimes we celebrate a miracle and move on. But I'm here to tell you, the 12 basketfuls are leftovers that remind you that whatever you face, he is more than enough. He's good. Some of you need to look in your boat this morning. I know you're facing a situation where you need a healing, you need a miracle. You need to look at the boat and see what all God's done. He's the same God. And he's ready to move. Some of you need to stir up your faith today by looking at what God's done so you can believe what God is about to do. Here's my point. The answer to the battle before you is found in the answer from the battle behind you. He gave them the 12 baskets to remind them I'm more than enough. Some of you have thrown away the leftovers of the miracle of yesterday and you're struggling in the battles of today. But I'm here to tell you, and to build your faith, God's with you and he's for you. Would you bow your heads all over this place? I wanna pray for you in two different ways. First, I wanna pray for you in this place if you're, in, if you're struggling in a battle, you're struggling in a situation, and you're here today, and I just wanna stir your faith that he's more than enough. Run to him today, not from him. He can handle what you're walking through. What you're walking through, what you're facing is bigger than you, but it is not bigger than God. I also want to pray for those in this room that just need to be reminded of the goodness of God, of the fact that he's always come through and he'll always come through again. So at all of our campuses, those in this room, if you're here, I just want to pray for you. Can you position your hands, your hearts, your lives, your hearts and your minds 
to receive this prayer. I wanna pray for every one of us at all of our campuses, especially those of you in this house right now. I wanna pray for you. Father, I thank you. I thank you for what you've done. I thank you for who you are. And Lord, what we face is big, but it is not bigger than you. God, I pray for every single one in this room that are struggling with battles and trials and situations. God, I pray for healing physically. I pray for those in this room that just need your peace and joy. God, I pray for those that are struggling to find purpose. God, I pray that you would move. God, where it feels like some of them are struggling financially and need provision and a job. Lord, we pray that the wind of your blessing and your favor, that your miracle of multiplication would move in their hearts and their lives. God, I pray that we would recognize the goodness of God, that we would look at the leftovers today of yesterday's miracles, of decades ago miracles, and that we wouldn't lose the wonder of how good you truly are. Refresh our wonder and our passion and our joy. Remind us how good you truly are. While every head bow, every eye is still closed, I wonder today if there are those in this room that need to give their life to Jesus. You're here and there's sin in your heart, there's junk in your life. I just want you to know God brought you here because he's more than enough. Whatever you're chasing, I'm telling you, the answer is found in him. At all of our locations here in this room, if you need Jesus, there's sin in your heart and you want to surrender and accept him as your personal savior today, I want to pray for you. So let's do that, can we? If you want to be prayed for today, you want to surrender and start a relationship with Jesus, I'm just going to ask you to throw your hand up right where you are at all of our campuses and in this room. I want to know who we're praying with. We're not going to embarrass you. We're not going to stand you up or anything. I just want to pray for you today. If that's you and you say, pray for me, I want to surrender my life. I want to begin a walk with Jesus on the count of three. One, two, three. Come on, hands up, hands up, hands up all over the place. I see you. I see you all over here, all here. I see you right here in the middle. I see you all up in the front, the back. Oh my word, yes. So many of you at all of our campuses, your hands are up. I want to pray for you. I'm going to say short phrases. I'm going to lead you in a prayer of salvation. I'm going to say short phrases. I just want you to repeat it after me. But here's the thing. Journey Church, we're a family, right? No one prays alone here. And so what I want you to do is when I pray these short prayers, if you raise your hand, you can put those down. But if you raise your hand, what I'm going to ask you to do is I want you to borrow these words. There's nothing magical about these words. Borrow these words. And then what I want you to do is this. I want those of you that did not raise your hand, I want you to pray with those that did so that they're not praying alone. Let's pray together at all of our campuses here in this place. Let's pray. Dear God, I give you my life today. I surrender to you. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for sending Jesus to make a way where there was no way. Today, I choose to live for you. Today, I turn away from sin and I turn to you. From this day forward, I'm yours. Come on, can we celebrate today all in this house? Let's lift up the name of Jesus at all of our campuses. We're proud of you. Man, we're celebrating with you. God is good. Come on, let's celebrate. We hope you've enjoyed this message, and we would love to hear your story and how this ministry is changing your life. Please email us at amen at journeyorl.com. And if you would like to support financially, you can give online at journeyorl.com give. If you're in the area, join us on Sunday for the full experience. Have a blessed week.